2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. And I'm packing my stuff and she's just in my room screaming and crying. And at that exact moment, like my stepdad comes home from work and he comes into the house and all he hears is just screaming and crying upstairs. And he comes upstairs and he sees me packing. I had, I had the Bible my mom had given me. And while I was experiencing that, bro, I just opened it up and I just like, there was something about that book that brought me comfort. comfort. Yo. Welcome to the Death Alive podcast. This episode is with my guy, Chris. I've never met my guy, Chris, uh, but he is an amazing storyteller and his story is wild. And um, I think the gist of it is he goes from death to life in Christ, but you have to hear it to believe it. And um, no, it's been such a powerful testimony and he's just a mighty man for the lord so i think you're just gonna love it uh so let's uh let's buckle up and strap in love y'all appreciate y'all man this is real talk god is loving on me colorful and innocent that's on me got me standing in the light and it's on me it's a new heart it's a new beat it's a new thing it's a new seat it's a new thing, it's a new dream. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. Hey, got me singing like. Oh, got me singing like. So, um, man, I don't know how familiar you are, you are with the podcast, man. Have you heard a, a few episodes or a couple episodes? Yeah, actually, the past two days, I listened to uh, Eddie's and I listened to Jayla's um, back to back. And man, powerful stuff, bro. Powerful yeah, stuff. Yeah, dude. What did you think about it? Man, um, bro, just the gospel lived out, man. The gospel lived out. And uh, it's funny because God had me on a whole roller coaster the past two days, man. I'm not going to lie to you. So I listened to Eddie's story in the morning while I was at the gym. 
And um, yeah, man, hearing these stories, like God has really been just convicting me, man, just like of like the fact that I need to receive first for myself that there is no condemnation and that I live in that space like perpetually and that that's Uh God's heart posture towards me. And I need to receive that for myself before I can live that out towards somebody else. Hmm. So where did you grow up, man? Where does your, where does your spiritual life story begin, dude? And I I think this is kind of cool because I don't know a thing about you, dude. (laughs) I just know like, um, I just know that you're you're vibing, man. So where where did you grow up? Where does your spiritual story start? Yeah, yeah, good question, man. Um, so I, I grew up in Hillsboro, New Jersey. Shout out to Hillsboro. Um, I'm here right now, but basically, um, both my parents grew up Catholic, and my spiritual story starts with as as, as far as I can remember is just attending church every Sunday, going to mass um, every Sunday. <clears throat> um, praying the the Hail Mary before going to sleep mm-hmm. uh praying um the the Lord's prayer before going to sleep so that was that was as far as my my spiritual life went i guess growing up and um i guess i always knew that there was you know there was a god but i i guess it was just uh there there wasn't really like any like God wasn't involved in my life. You know what I mean? It was kind of just like a practice that we did. Sure. You were, uh, like, were you Easter Christmas type Catholics or, I mean, you went to mass every Sunday. Yes. But it was just like a ritual, like a religion. It wasn't like a relationship or like God is a part of, it was just like this thing before you go to bed and before you do the Eucharist or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty much it. Um, basically later on after around the year, uh, around the age of seven, my, my parents were divorced and I remember my mom put me in, in CCD and I don't even know what it stands for if I'm being honest with you, but it's basically like, uh, a young Catholic like school, I guess you could say we're, we're, you know, you're trained once a week um, in, it's almost like discipleship now that I think about it, I guess like kind of teaching you the things so that once you grow up, it's like you kind of understand to a certain degree what, uh-huh. what is what. Uh-huh. Yeah. So How'd that go? I, I, I vividly remember, man, it was a traumatic experience I had. <laughs> really? My, uh, my first time... My mom dropped me off and I didn't know a single person there. (laughs) And I just started bawling. I just started crying. And my mom is like trying to comfort me and everybody's like trying to comfort me. And I'm just like, dude, why are you just dropping me off here? I don't know what this is. Like, why am I here? And um, I don't think she really explained anything, but I just ended up calming down and and ended up going with this teacher and, and was with a bunch of other kids. And um I don't remember a single thing that we talked about in that class, if I'm being honest. I just, yeah, just remember being there and just like feeling alone. So yeah. who was God to you and what what do you think God thought about you back then? Like not mm. what he actually thought about you. What did you think that he thought about you? Yeah. Um, I don't even, I don't even think I had like any real like, 
perception of of what God I don't even know. I I didn't it was like it was like the only thing like God only really was present or existed <clears throat> when like when I'd be praying with my with my dad at night or I'd be like you know in church but outside of that like I didn't even like it didn't even cross my mind that like God really existed. Hmm. Yeah. So this is your childhood. How long how long was your parents split up? They're still mm-hmm. both Catholic? Were yeah. They still both practicing Catholics when they when they split up? So my dad was practicing and every weekend I'd hang out with him. Sundays I'd I'd go to church with him, but my mom was not practicing at the time. No. So then uh as you're growing up, um what happens? What what shapes your your spiritual life moving forward? Yeah, so um I guess as I was growing up, um there was no real spiritual presence aside from from that and and really, you know, I would go to church. The main thing was looking forward to to go into like IHOP or like Applebee's on like Sunday, like Super Bowl. No, I mean not Super Bowl, uh, football. football Sunday, uh-huh. and you know what I mean. That was kind of the thing that like tr- it was church, and then the main thing that I wanted to get to, and and you know that's kind of what my dad kind of that was our time together, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but outside of that, man, there wasn't really anything. Uh, I guess, spiritual in my life. So, but the thing is, once I got to high school, um, freshman year was actually the first time I I smoked weed for Uh the first time. And, you know, that's what kind of just led me on this path of like, I don't know, I I was looking for a place of, I guess, belonging, Uh I guess is the word. Because, you know, my friends that I grew up with, they were like, Hey man, we're going to go to the gym, but first we're going to do this, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, okay, like if this is what I have to do in order to have that belonging that I want, um, then I guess that's, that's just what has to happen. So as that was taking place, um, and I, I ended up getting deeper into, into, you know, smoking and eventually into drinking, um, my mom went to get her, her GED at a community college. Mm-hmm. And while she was there, she met uh, my mom is from Costa Rica. So while she was there, where's she your met dad another, from? My dad is from the Philippines. So do you speak Spanish? And what's the language in the Philippines? What's it called? Uh, Tagalog. Do Tagalog. you speak both? I speak Spanish fluently. I don't speak Tagalog. I know a couple words here and there, but yeah, yeah. Because from the looks of you, I would I would be surprised if I heard just a bunch of Spanish coming out, right? Yeah. Yeah, as most people are. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, so my mom met a Costa Rican dude at, at community college while she was doing her GED. And um, yeah, so basically, uh, all of a sudden, like I see him, you know, coming over the house, hanging out with my mom. And uh, I just remember on Saturdays, Saturday mornings, I would see that she's like, you know, all dressed up and she'd be going to church. And I was, you know, not really, uh, I wasn't like, I was in my own world, man. Growing up, I was in my own world. I didn't dig deep into what anybody else was going through or what, 
was going on in people's lives. I was kind of just like in my Mm -hmm. own little space. Um, So when she was going through that, uh, I was like, okay, like that's, that's interesting. And over time, uh, there's just this, this, I guess, presence of religiousness that all of a sudden pops up Mm. and there's pastors coming over to the house to do Bible studies, uh, you know, throughout the week. Um, you know, Friday nights now this, this guy's over the house and, and they're, they're doing this thing called receiving the Sabbath. Hmm. And I'm I'm not allowed to be going out Friday nights where I would be going out to football games and school dances and and this and that. So, yeah, it was like this this weird transition, and eventually, um, this this guy right and and he's cool. He's a cool guy. You know, he's very down to earth. Like I can talk to him, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up marrying my mom, so he becomes my stepdad. And I remember, again, I was in the midst of drinking. I was in the midst of smoking weed pretty much every day with my friends. And he he moves into the house. And now, like, there's just this three, like, 180 shift in the culture of my home. Hmm. Where now Friday nights, you're not doing anything. You're not going out. Saturdays, the whole day is spent in church. Um, during the week, a pastor's coming to do Bible studies. And, yeah, man, it was just like... I don't know. Any chance I could, I, I would get out the house because I just wanted to get away from this thing. Hmm. Yeah. Did your did your mom know about what you were up to and, and kind of look the other way or did she not know? And like how secretive was that like side of your life, the partying? Yeah. So she had no idea. Hmm. Um, she had no clue. And, and what's crazy is that there were times where like me and my cousin, I had a cousin, an older cousin who lived with us at the time where, cause he was trying to get established in the United States from Costa Rica. And yeah, man, we would literally go out and we would smoke whatever. And we'd come back home and the pastor would be there. And, and we would just like, my mom would pull us into the Bible study and we'd literally just be like sitting there high, like, <laughs> like this is in the Bible kill. study. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What did that do? This, uh, this big shift in, in your house? Yeah. So, so there was really, um, I don't know. Part of me, it was like, I didn't mind it, but at the same time I was like, um, what's the word? I didn't mind it, but at the same time I was just like, I, I don't want to be here. (laughs) So, so I, I just wouldn't, you know, anytime, again, like I said, any opportunity I'd get to be with my friends or be out, whatever I'd, I'd be doing that. Um, but over time, man, it's just like, it's getting in the way of me hanging out with my friends. It's in the way of me, you know, doing what I want to do. So there comes a time where, um, me and a couple of my friends, we actually go and we're looking for a place to smoke. And, um, I, I had access to, to my dad's apartment and, you know, as a, as a paranoid smoker, you're like, all right, we need to find a place where basically we're not going to get caught. Um, so I'm like, you know what, let's, let's go to my dad's apartment. We end up going to my dad's apartment and we end up, you know, just doing our thing and, all of a sudden, like five hours go by and I hear a knock on the door 
And I'm like, what is this? Like, you know, who is this? So instantly all of us get up. We start throwing stuff in the trash. We start spraying the Febreze. We start turning on the fan. We open up the windows, this and that. And I come downstairs and it's my stepmom. So I, I didn't mention this, but my dad also remarried um, at the same time. So she comes in and, you know, without even saying hi or anything, she's just like, what does that smell? Smells skunky. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I basically, in my mind, I'm like, I need to deny everything. And I said, I have, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and she's like, Chris, like, I'm not dumb. Like, what is that smell? And I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. I'm sorry. She comes up and she, like, she, she's not even, like, she sees right through me. And she says, Chris, like, tell me right now, like, what it is that you did or I'm going to call your dad right now. Oh, no. And in my mind, I'm, like, trying to come up with any possible excuse, man. It's... <laughs> And I, I tell her, I'm like, you know what? When I came in here, I saw like the doors open. So like, and mind you, we're on like the second story, like the second floor uh-huh. apartment. And like somebody probably like climbed up in here. Like, I don't know, like somebody smoking outside or something probably like, and the smell got in or I don't know what. And at that point, she's just like, she's just like, whatever. So I leave, you know, I, I, I pack up the trash, which isn't, you know, uh, suspicious at all. And, you know, me and my friends, we leave. And as we're driving away, I get a call from my mom. And my mom, she's like, I need you to come home right now. Oh, no. And I'm how, like, how okay. old are you, dude? This is uh, sophomore year of high school. So I am 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah, 16 years old. So, yeah, man. Basically, my cousin and my friend, they dropped me off. And I go up into the house and basically uh, my mom is there. And I believe my mom is like, she tells me to sit down at the kitchen table. And she, she says, wait here, your dad is coming. And mind you, this is like major stuff because my mom and my dad have not sat in the same room in like, I don't know, maybe like, five, six, seven, eight years. Oh, wow. So for me, I was like, okay, it's like, this is, it's about to go down. So my dad comes in, um, he sits down in front of me. My mom takes my backpack without them even asking a question. My mom opens up my backpack and she finds a blunt in the backpack. And there's literally nothing I can say at this point to, to, do anything, you know, to excuse myself. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom starts like yelling at me, screaming at me. And she's like, you know, like, like I trusted you. Like I I let you go out. I let you do all this. And long story short, I I was grounded man for about like six months. There was a, there was a season of six months where I literally like, I went to school. I came home. Some days I'd go to the gym um, Saturdays were spent all day in church, Friday nights, right? Receiving the Sabbath during the week, pastor would come do Bible studies, all this. And I was miserable, man. Like I was like there, there came a point where I was like, man, it'd be better not to live. 
Dang. Like, this sucks. Um, And I thought I was never going to get out of it because I was like, yo, like, my mom is, my mom can be pretty harsh. So it's like, why, like, I don't even know if I'll ever get out of this. That was my mentality. And, um, yeah, man, that, that season of my life was extremely depressing. Um, mm. yeah, just, just super, again, back in my own world. Um, you know, friends would invite me to, to this thing and to that thing and to this football game and that school dance, whatever. And I'd say, yeah, I can't go. I'm sorry. And yeah, man. So basically like six months go by of just this and I am just, Again, I'm I'm receiving, uh, like I'm actually not even there, like consciously, like I can't even, to be honest, like recollect. And this is probably the weed, like I can't even recollect a lot of what happened in that season. But all I can say is, like I I almost like blocked everything out. Like that was just like, again, like my mind is just like not even present. Hmm. So, yeah, man. Um, yeah. So then. It was about six months later. So actually, so yeah, let me just say during that six months, I'm just like, like all I'm exposed to is Adventism. (laughs) (laughs) Like just straight up Adventism is like my entire life, like against my will, you could say. And I'm there and I'm just like, bro, this is, this is like, I didn't sign up for this. Like this is, this is so dumb. So six months go by, right? And now I'm like a junior in high school and junior prom comes around. You know, that's that's like the exciting season for, for us as juniors, at least in my high school, in my town. For sure. And um, basically everybody's like, oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm taking out this person. Like, who are you taking? Uh, you know, this is my date, et cetera, et cetera. This is the dress I just got. And in my mind, I'm like, bro, like if I don't go to this, like I have no life. Like I I need to go to this. Right. And I've been trapped in the house for, you know, how long? So I need to, I need to do something. So I asked my mom if I could go. And surprisingly enough, she said yes. Hmm. So I was like, okay, like this is actually like, like the light at the end of the tunnel. Like we're, we're like freedom is here. (laughs) So, (laughs) so basically, um, you know, there was this one girl I liked so, you know, I, I, you know, got, I bought some flowers. I, I, I got like a friend of mine to like make a sign or whatever. We went to her house. I asked her, she said, yes, cool. Uh-huh. And literally, bro, she asked me, she's like, yeah. So are you going to so-and-so's after party after junior prom? Uh-huh. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, I want to say yes, but I have no idea what my mom's going to say. So I'm just going to say yes. So I, I told her, yes, I'll be there um, because I like the girl, you know, For sure. and yeah, man. So I go home and I, I tell my mom, um, hey, mom, you know, like my date just asked me if I can go to this person's after party. And nope. I was like, what do you mean? She said, Chris, no. So like literally before I even finished making my request, like she already shut me down. And, dude, that got me so mad. Like, and and the thing about me is, like, I'm not the type of person to blow up, like, externally. 
So for me, it's like there's an internal like explosion that takes place, but like I hold it in. So literally, bro, like I was so mad and, and man, I went up to my room and I said, dude, enough is enough. Like I'm, I'm done with this. Like I'm done with this. I'm so done with this. I called my dad and I said, dad, I'm moving in with you. And he said, okay, like pack up your stuff. I'll pick you up in like 10 minutes. So I'm upstairs, man. I'm packing my stuff and my mom sees me and she's like, what do you think you're doing? And I'm like, I'm leaving. And she just starts screaming and crying and just blowing up in my face, man. And, you know, for for my psychology people, what I was experiencing at that moment was emotional flooding where I was just so overwhelmed that I just like shut down completely. And I'm packing my stuff and she's just in my room screaming and crying. And and my dad, um, not my dad, um, at that exact moment, like my stepdad comes home from work. And he comes into the house and all he hears is just screaming and crying upstairs. And he comes upstairs and he sees me packing. And my mom is like, you know, telling him in, in, in a very emotionally charged way what's happening. And he starts yelling at me and this and that. And bro, at that point, I was just so done, man. I was like, dude, like, I never want to come back here ever again. Huh. Like, I'm so done with this place and with these people. I pack up my stuff, I go home, uh, I I go outside, my dad is outside, and um, yeah, man, I I just did not look back, bro, I just did not look back, I ended up moving in with my dad, Um, my dad was willing to find a new place that could accommodate for me, because they only had a one-bedroom apartment, so they ended up getting another space where I could could live as well, Mm -hmm. and um man, like there was so much bitterness in my heart, but at the same time, like I knew that I was free. (laughs) I knew because my dad was always at work. My, my stepmom was always at work. So I knew me moving into this new place. Like, bro, I was literally about to be free to do whatever it is that I wanted to do. Hmm. So you can already imagine, man, the first weekend I'm already back with the homies. I'm, I'm, I'm at a party. I'm, I'm smoking again. I'm doing all these things. And now I'm just doing it with like so much more like, like fervor, like so much more like passion because of how long I was just trapped inside my house. And, um, Bro, I start I start doing all kinds of drugs, drugs and and doing things that I never in my life would have thought that I would have done. Um but yeah, man, I in my own mind, I was like I finally have the freedom I want. Hmm. I finally have the freedom I want. I have nobody on my back telling me what time to be home. I'd come home at like 3 in the morning. I would nobody tells me a thing. Like I'm I'm living my life. And this goes on for about a year. And um, this leads into my senior year of high school. Um, Is it my senior year? I believe so. My senior year of high school. And 
yeah, after that year, bro, my mom comes up to me. She calls me, right? And and I'll, I'll say, I, I didn't mention this, but, you know, a couple of months later, my, my stepdad came to me and he apologized to me. Uh, my mom was like, you know, begging me to come back home. She said that she'd give me the freedom that I wanted if I came back home. But in, in my mind, I was like, that's not going to happen. Like, you're literally just saying that. Um, so, so we were okay. We were on okay terms. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I was like, I was still in the mindset. I want to get as far away from this as possible so that I can just live without any sort of accountability, any sort of, you know, anybody trying to tell me anything. So about a year later, uh, my mom comes up to me and she's like, um, Hey, so, you know, you've moved in with your dad and and you're not living with us anymore. And, uh, you know, me and, and your stepdad have been talking. And at this point I have, a my, my, my little brother was just born right from my mom and my stepdad. Um, and they were like, Hey, so yeah, we're thinking that, uh, you know, we're going to be moving to Costa Rica. Oh, because, wow. you know, the, the main thing, the main reason why we were here is because we wanted to support you and we wanted to, you know, be with you while you're, you know, going to school and everything. But if you're not living with us, then there's no, there's really no point for us to be here. So in my mind, man, initially I'm like, praise God. I don't actually say praise God. I'm not, I don't <laughs> believe in God at this point. At this point, I'm like, awesome. Like, I I will have like no fear in the back of my mind, no voice of paranoia saying your mom is going to catch you, right? Because she's literally in another country. Right. So for me, it's good news in that in that at, in that season because I'm like, okay, now I I really have the freedom that I want. Um, so that was my mentality, and you know, for the longest, but then I remember the last day that my mom and my, my stepdad were in New Jersey. Um, I, I went to say goodbye to them. I went to the house, right? This was the house that I grew up in. I lived with my mom, you know, when my parents were divorced. So I walk into the house, man, and and the house is just empty, like completely empty. Mm -hmm. And it's a really emotional thing for me because I'm like, yo, this is the house I grew up in. For sure. You know, this, there's so many memories here. There's so much that, that took place here. And like, now it's like, it's just a house. Like it's no longer like the home that I once knew. And I remember, um, saying, you know, goodbye. And, and, you know, my mom was just like, just bawling, bro. Just, just completely just Mm -hmm. torn apart saying goodbye to me and, say goodbye to my stepdad, say goodbye to, to my little brother. And, um, yeah, man, I, I showed no emotion. I, I held everything in. I was like, you know what? Like it, it just is what it is, you know? Um, gave her a hug. I left. And I remember, man, when I, when I got to my car and I, uh, you know, I, I closed the door to my car, man, the floodgates just opened, bro. Like I started just crying like a child, like crying, like, like a complete baby. Like, yo, like my mom is leaving and I don't, I don't know if she'll ever be back, you know? Hmm. And it was just, it was a heavy, um, it was a heavy thing. So from that point on, um, I don't know. I, I just began to be more, reflective and introspective on my, on my actions, 
on the decisions I've made. And, and I was just, you know, I felt sad. I felt sad that they left. Um, and I remember, I think it was like a New Year's party. I was in somebody's basement and, you know, again, I was, I was drunk, I was high and I was just sitting there. I was, I was watching everybody around me and I, you know, the thought came to my mind, like, dude, there has to be something more to this life than just this. Hmm. Like this, this can't be just the pinnacle of life. Like there has to be something more. Um, yeah, man. And, and from that point on, I began to, I just began to search for like the truth. Like, what is life? Like, why are we here? Like, who am I? Like, what, what is my purpose? Like, what is existence? You know, like all these big questions, like I was trying to answer because again, I, I, I came to the end of this path that I thought was all I wanted. And I found that there was really nothing there for me. Mercy. Right. It was, it was just, it was just, you know, working throughout the week or going to school throughout the week. And then on the weekends, getting drunk and high and, and doing all these things. And then, you know, you, it's, it's just a cycle, but you never actually have that, that rest, that, that peace, that joy, that fulfillment that you think you're going to receive through the means of drugs and alcohol and sex and all of these things. Mm-hmm. So, bro, I started searching for the truth. Like literally like in my heart, I was like, I need to find, you know, what this thing is. So I start, um, so at that same time, so even, I didn't even mention this, but even before that, um, I was, I was making hip hop music with a friend of mine from high school. I was, uh, you know, we were going to, uh, what was your friend's house? (laughs) I dude, I changed my name like five times. That's when, you know, I have like identity issues. I had, uh, (laughs) my, my last name that I stuck with was Buddha. Just Buddha. Just Buddha. Lowercase B. Can I find you on SoundCloud, Buddha? Have mercy. <laughs> you, <laughs> I'm going to look it up after this. You, you probably could. You probably could. I don't know. Um, yeah. If you do some digging, you'll find me. But I'm not going to encourage you to do so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. So <clears throat> I'm here making music right with these people. And at this time, I'm like, you know, we're we're actually getting pretty big. In at least within my my own town, so we're going to parties. People are asking us to perform at different parties. Um, you know, we're we're putting out music. We're on Apple Music, Spotify, everything. And um, yeah, man, I, I, like while I'm doing this, I'm I'm listening to uh, one of my favorite artists at the time was Joey Badass, mm-hmm. and you know, I just really resonated with like his style and everything, kind of East Coast. And I remember he actually posted, um, and it's crazy because this is coming to me in the moment. You know, I've shared my story, but like this is actually a huge part that I've I've missed. He he's he put out a, a post on Instagram, I think, or or Facebook, and he put out uh, that he was reading this book called The Four Agreements. Oh yeah, The Four Agreements. So you know, and again, I looked up to this guy when it came to his music style and everything. And I was like, yo, like, 
let me pick it up. The book is like really small. It's, I, I don't like reading, but I'm sure, you know, if Joey is like endorsing <laughs> it, then it's got to be something good. So I pick up this book and bro, I'm like reading this thing. And like my, like the way I perceive the world is like being transformed, like with every word that I'm re- with every like page that I'm reading. And like, I'm just beginning to see the world in a different way. And I'm just like, bro, like, this is so cool. Like, this is dope. Like, this is what life is. Hmm. So I'm reading, bro. And, and I, I pick up other books from the same author. And, and um, I find myself in Barnes and Noble, like every week, like picking up different books, man, from like the new age spirituality section. Mm-hmm. And I find myself reading books on like Buddhism, on Taoism, on, uh, you know, just, just all of these different topics, bro. And I'm like, yo, this is so dope because like, this makes sense. Like, this is what life is. This is what reality is. And I got so deep into it, man. I was reading all these things. You could hear just the ideas and the thoughts being communicated through the music that I was making. And, um, yeah. So at that same time, and, and this is where things kind of take a turn. Um, there was a friend of mine, mind you, I already graduated high school. Now I'm in community college and a friend of mine comes up to me. Um, let me actually mention this. So, so I was supposed to go to Temple University in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and I had the mentality of I'm just going out there to party. I'm going out there to live my life, do what I want to do. Um, and I was set to go, but I found out last minute that the the financial aid grants that I thought I was supposed to receive were actually loans. Hmm. And basically my parents were like, dude, like that's a lot of money that you're going to have to pay back. Like that's probably not the move. So like last minute I end up enrolling in a community college. I'm so mad. I'm like, bro, this is like the place where like all the kids that aren't smart go and like, you know what I'm saying? That's my mentality fresh yeah. out of high school. Um Now I look back at it and this is actually like probably the best move that I did not make for myself. So I'm in community college and one of my friends from high school who is like always kind of like weird, but like I knew there was something behind him. Like there was like some wisdom there. Like, like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So he, he comes up to me and he's like, I forgot exactly how he approached me, but basically he asked me if I wanted to try acid. (laughs) and i'm like bro you're wild like that's that's insane like i i don't think i want to do that and he just he just pitches it to me in such a way bro that i'm like and it speaks to my direct situation right there right so i'm looking for truth i'm looking for what life is i'm reading all these books i'm exploring all these things and my friend is like yeah bro like if that's the journey you're on like this is what you want to do were were you still a pretty big weed head or were you uh chilled out on that a little bit? No, I was definitely I was still into weed for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I did not stop that. Um so yeah, at this point man, I'm like considering this. And he does it in such a way, I don't even know, bro. I look back at him like, "Bro, you're sketchy, bro." And he knows who he is. <laughs> 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 But he, he basically, um, he's like, yeah, bro, if you ever, if you want to do it, just shoot me a text, bro. And I'm, I'm there. And yeah, man, one day I was just wrestling with it and I I ended up reaching out to him and I was like, you know what, bro? Like, like I'm going for it, man. Like I, I need to understand 
truth. I need to understand what this life is. So, so let's do it. So yeah, man, he, um, he basically takes me and this other guy on this trip on this like journey, bro. And like, you know, he gives us both this thing. We go up into like these mountains and we're up at this waterfall and like, he takes us on like multiple stops, but we, we take out, he takes out the thing that little, little piece of paper, he gives it to us. And I'm like, bro, I'm not even like feeling anything. This is like, nothing's happening. And by the time we go down and we get into the car, bro, I'm looking outside the window and the trees are just like, I don't even know. Like they're like alive is really the only way I can say it. Like, I'm like, what the heck is happening right now? And he takes us on this journey. He takes us to multiple stops and, and he leads us to this place called, um, high point in New Jersey. It's, it's the highest point elevation. in New Jersey, the, the highest altitude. Yeah. Elevation. So we go to this place, man. He takes us on this journey. He's like in character. He's like acting like he's like some sort of like, I don't know, some sort of like fairy or something like <laughs> leading us on this. I don't even Shaman. know. Bro. It's like, I don't he's, know. He's yeah. Yeah. Something like that, bro. He's like leading us on this journey. That's actually a good word. And we get there and I'm just like, I feel like I'm on top of the world. Like, I feel like literally anything is possible. Like in life, like there's literally nothing that could stop me from doing whatever it is that I put my mind to. And bro, after that, mind you, I, I'm filling my mind with all these books and I'm, I'm, I'm reading all these things. And it's just like reality has just taken like a whole different shape, like literally like. Yeah, life, life, the way I perceived it and the way I felt in relation to it was good. Hmm. So I was like, this has to be it. I, I've arrived to the truth. And um, time continues, bro. I'm, I'm digging deeper in these books. I'm reading into all these other things. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going on more trips with my friends. We're doing acid. Now we're doing mushrooms. We're doing all these things. <clears throat> and... Um, yeah, man, there comes a point where we go on this trip to, to, uh, what's the name of that place, bro? It's in upstate New York. It's called Cranberry Lake. And we go to this place and we go camping. We're in the middle of nowhere, like literally in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, we, we have another trip. And while I'm on this trip, man, we're just walking. We literally go, I don't even know whose idea this was. We went on like a 21 mile hike for like an entire day. And I'm tripping on this thing. And I literally lose my sense of self. Huh. Like to the point where like, I literally have like, it's like, I don't even exist. Like I'm just perceiving the world. And it was the scariest thing, bro. It was the scariest thing. Like people tried to talk to me. Like I couldn't even think. Like it was just like. Like I didn't know who I was. By the time we, you know, we're, we're on our way back from the hike. You know, I'm, I'm beginning to come back recollecting myself. And who I am and, and my identity and things. And I end up, you know, we end up going back to the campground. And they start smoking again. <clears throat> and. At this point, bro, like I smoke and like, there's just like feeling of like dread and horror that just comes over me. Like, 
And if this you guys rem- can see Richard's face right now. No, this just <laughs> this reminds me like so many yeah. people get on. I just talked to this cat yesterday, who yeah. who like on a shrooms trip realized mm-hmm. that like this wasn't it. And my buddy mm-hmm. Chico went to Peru and did ayahuasca, and like mm-hmm. the trip was amazing. But the second time he went to Peru to do ayahuasca, mm-hmm. it was the scariest thing of his whole life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thinking mm-hmm. of like of these people mm-hmm. that think that oh these hallucinogenic drugs are the answer and then the second time mm-hmm. around they're like oh this isn't the answer i thought it was no no bro yeah the first time i felt like i found it like you said and this this last time i did it bro <clears throat> i was like again just complete horror and dread like like oh my goodness i don't even know how to describe it man i don't even know like it was a traumatic experience like it was actually like traumatizing. Wow. Like it messed me up. And mind you, my friends were goofing around, whatever, and, and they were just like treating me like crap or whatever and making fun of me. And like that just compounded onto what I was experiencing. And bro, I, I got in the tent and I said, I said, dude, I think, man, now that I'm thinking about it, that day might have been like one of the first days that I actually like prayed to God. And I said, like, God just put me to sleep. Like, I don't want to experience this anymore. Like, just put me to sleep, please. And I woke up, bro, and it was daytime. And everybody was cleaning up the camp and everything. And I was like, oh, my goodness, thank God, because I need, like, I need to get out of here. This is, this is awful. So, yeah, man, after that, um... I struggled, man. I struggled. And and the thing about these psychedelics is that you experience this high for like a period of time if you have a good trip. But then regardless of whether you had a good trip or a bad trip, after about like, I don't know how many months, maybe like six months, you hit this low that's like lower than like you like just like life is just just gray. Hmm. Like, just apathy, just, like, lifeless, just, like, dead, just, like, everything sucks. And, bro, I am, um, I'm trying to read these books, right? All I knew at this point was I need to keep filling my mind with these ideas in order to make me perceive the world as something good again, because I just need to, I need to get out of this space that I'm in. If you're looking for a full breakdown of all these theological concepts that we talk about in this podcast, you could go to PVC Life on YouTube or just search Love Reality. And we did a full wave one. And yet it's uh, it's on the PVC Life's YouTube page and it's free. So if you want a breakdown of what we're talking about, it's called Wave One. Check it out on PVC's YouTube page, and I guarantee you'll be blessed. Dude, let me go back and let me mention this. This this just came back to mind, and I think the Holy Spirit wants me to mention this. While I was on that last camping trip, right, 
when while I was in the midst of feeling that lostness, in mm-hmm. the midst of feeling that like you, who am I, whatever, while we were hiking. I don't know, man. I had I had the Bible my mom had given me. I think it's right here, bro. It's a my my mom gave me this like when I was a freshman in high school, with my name engraved on it and everything. And I, I, for some reason, I decided to take it with me. And while I was experiencing that, bro, I just opened it up and I just like, it's like subconsciously I was looking for comfort there. Hmm. And I opened up the Bible and I just read any random thing, bro. Like I told everybody, like we, we stopped somewhere and I just said I wanted to read something. I don't even know what I read. It was probably something random. I didn't understand what I was reading. But I just, there was something about that book that brought me comfort. Even though I had no idea what the words were saying, right? Or it didn't make sense to me in the moment. There was comfort there. <clears throat> so I was reading, you know, after after this trip, I was reading all these different books. But then I think at that time, I began to, I began to open up the Bible. Hmm. And, you know, I was reading stuff. Again, I had no idea what I was reading, bro. But I, I ended up reading... Um, <laughs> I think when I got to the book of Proverbs, when I got to the book of Proverbs, I was reading and I was like, bro, this is actually like really profound. Like, this is deep. Yeah. Right. And I I think. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) So, so as someone who is, you know, not necessarily Christian, I think the book of Proverbs appealed to me because it was just general wisdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't tied to, you know, it wasn't super explicitly tied to God or to Jesus or or to religion or to anything like that. I was just reading Proverbs and I was like, bro, I can get down with this. Like this, this makes sense. Yeah. The first whole um, chapter is about how wisdom is something that you need to acquire and it's good to get wisdom and this is what wisdom is. And then what not having wisdom is like, and you're like, okay, this makes sense. Right. Right. So I'm reading this and, um, <clears throat> I'm like, bro, I, I can, you know, I can rock with this. So I'm reading and um, I think some time goes by and, and I'm I'm just like, I'm in community college. I'm in like such a pit of just despair every morning, man. Like every day I'm just like waking up and life is just like, not that I want to die, but it's like, I don't want to live. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it would be better for me to not even exist. Like this, this experience isn't pleasant. So I'm going through this every single day. And I remember there was a, there was a Saturday. So Saturdays were my laundry day, right? This is where I would go with my stepmom. We would go to the laundromat, wash our clothes, whatever. And, um, you know, we go to the laundromat. And there was this one Saturday where we walked into the laundromat and the thought came to mind, you should be in church right now. Mm. And in my mind, bro, I'm like, no, no, I should not be. (laughs) I didn't want nothing to do with, you know, that church or that religion or, you know, I, I want nothing to do with that. So the thought goes away. Next Saturday comes around, bro. Same exact thought pops into my mind as as I'm in the laundromat. You should be in church right now. And every week, man, every week, um, the same thing comes to mind. And 
I said, you know what? Just so I can be freed from this thing, I'm going to go just one time. Hmm. And I end up going to... Uh, so I used to go attend a Spanish church with my mom. But there was... Like every once in a while, she would take me to an English church um, in Piscataway, New Jersey called Lake Nelson. And this is the one time because it was like my primary language. This was the one time where I would like be there and I'd actually like be semi engaged because I'd actually like it wasn't super religious language in another language. Right. So I walked into this church, man, and I don't remember exactly what happened that day, but I remember that. The pastor who was preaching there is the same pastor who used to come over to my house years ago to do Bible studies at my house. Hmm. So I'm like, okay. So, you know, I, I walk out. Mind you, like I, I dressed up in all like the, the clothes that were just collecting dust, all the dress clothes that my mom <laughs> had, had bought for me for church and all that. I, I had put it on and I, you know, did what I best knew how to go. And as I was on the way out of the sanctuary after that service, uh, the pastor sees me and the pastor's like, you know, he's greeting everybody, but, but he pauses and he looks at me and he says, it's good to see you here. Hmm. And I felt seen, you know, I felt acknowledged and I was like, okay, cool. So I ended up walking out because I still had laundry to do, right? So I didn't stick around for anything. I, I, you know, I went home and I picked up my stepmom. We did laundry. But something in my heart was like, you need to go back next week. And I ended up going back. <clears throat> and yeah, man, after that second visit, I came back the week after that, the week after that, the week after that. And, and there was a song that came to mind and I, I, I'm thanking God right now because he's bringing things that I've never even shared before when I've shared my story that mm -hmm. I think are, are, are really key aspects of this story. There was one song, man, there's this one hymn that they sang because he lives, hmm. bro. And even if I didn't understand a single thing that they were talking about or saying that that entire worship service there was one line in that song that hit me in a way that nothing that I was reading, no drug that I was taking, no alcohol I was drinking could hit my soul, bro. And and the words were, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Hmm. Bro, those words, like, I remember the first time I heard that when I, when I came back to this church, like... I started crying like on the spot and life is worth the living just because he lives. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So I ended up continuing coming to church um, one day the, the head elder comes up to me and he's like, Hey, I want to introduce you to somebody. And he introduces me to the youth leader of the church and, um, youth leader, super bubbly girl, super, you know, you know, just, uh, energetic and everything takes down my phone number. And she invites me to, uh, 
potluck that they're going to have. I think it's next week for Thanksgiving, right? And they do it big for Thanksgiving. So she was like hyping it up. And I was like, you know what? I I would like to go, but I have to do laundry. So like, I'm not, I, I don't think I can go. Um, but as the week went on, bro, I was wrestling with it and I was like, you know what? I should go. I should go. We could do laundry like the day before or something, whatever. We'll, we'll make it work. Ended up going to this thing. And I like when I, when I walked into that place, man, I saw youth that I haven't seen in years that actually attended the Spanish church that my mom was a member of. Mm-hmm. And I walk in and they see me and they're like, bro. Like, how are you, man? Like, we haven't seen you in forever. We thought you were, like, dead. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here. I don't really know what I'm doing here, but I'm here. And they embraced me, bro. They, 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 you know, super engaged in conversation with me. They're talking with me. They're, you know, seeing how I've been. Um, and they're not, like, the super religious folk that are just, like, just talking all Bible or, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they actually like, we could have like a really good conversation. Like we, we, we could actually get along as friends. Mm-hmm. Um, even with the space that I was currently in at the time. So after that, bro, I was just like, I don't know. I, I felt just like this, this warmth and this, this fulfillment in my heart. And I was like, bro, this is, this is awesome. This is really great. And again, the people were taking care of me. They were giving me food. Like it was like buffet, whatever. And after that, man, I was like, I think this is the place where I want to start coming. Hmm. Mind you, intellectually, I'm not like fully subscribed to Christianity or to, you know, biblical theology or anything like that. I'm just like this community, right? And the love mm. that I'm, that I'm being shown right now wow. is, is really like, what's drawing me in. And I started attending, you know, every single week, um, you know, the youth eventually start getting me involved in youth ministry. You know, they have me singing for stuff and they have me, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. And, um, this becomes like my family, you know, I, I, I become acquainted with everybody and and I, I share my testimony with them and they're just like in awe, like, wow, like praise God that you're here. And, um, yeah, man, as time goes on, you know, I, I begin to, to study the word for myself, right. Without anybody like over my, over my, my back, like, you know, trying to tell me what to do and this and that, like I'm, I'm studying the word because I want to like wholly and completely because I want to. And I begin to, you know, look at the law of God through like a different lens, right? Because what I was shown before was these are things you need to keep or else, mm-hmm. right? That was kind of the mentality. But as I was reading like the 10 commandments and everything in light of the experience I just came out of, mm-hmm. I was like, bro, this is, this is actually wisdom. Hmm. Like, this is actually, like, what was meant to keep me from all of this pain and suffering and just feelings of being lost that I was experiencing. Bro, somebody uh, called me 
the other day and they were listening to Eddie's podcast mm-hmm. and they were so angry and they're just like, I felt so bad for Jayla. I feel so mm-hmm. bad for her. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, okay. But I'm like, but why don't you feel bad for Eddie? Um, and they were like, well, because he got to, to have his cake and eat it too. Mm. And I was like, no, he didn't. He was a slave to sin. Mm. He was sold under sin. Like, mm. his life was not going well. He was depressed. Because mm-hmm. of this affair that he was in, he had shingles. Like, his body couldn't even handle the sin. Like, like we think of people that live a wild life, and, like, let's say they live a wild, wild life, and on their deathbed, then they're like, Jesus, save me. And we think that mm-hmm. they got away with it. Mm. All that all that they got away was with was a terrible life mm. that was like sold under slavery of this thing that was making them operate in the way they were and there was no love there was it was just mm. this thing and so mm. like you're seeing the law of god and you're just like oh this isn't what i thought it was mm-hmm. like i've been a slave mm-hmm. to like my passions and my body and my like all of this and mm-hmm. this right here was was like actual freedom. Mm. That's it. <laughs> That's it right there. So I began to see that what I thought was freedom was actually enslavement to sin. Yeah. Like being able to do everything that I wanted without anybody telling me anything was actually me choosing something and not being able to say no to it anymore. Right. So I began to, to, you know, study the word of God in this new light, right? Based off of just, you know, in, in, in light of the experience that I had that was so painful and so traumatic even. Um, and I was like, bro, this is actually like, this is true. Like this is, this is real. And I started reading the Bible and, and I was like, bro, if this is true, like I need to tell everybody. <laughs> Let's go. I need to tell everybody. So I ended up getting baptized um, December 16th, 2017. Mm-hmm. And bro, ever like even before that, I was doing Bible studies with my dad, with my stepmom. I was doing, you know, inst- when we went to the studio to record music, I actually like did a Bible study. Like we didn't even at some, sometimes we didn't even record. We just had a Bible study. (laughs) Like, bro, I was so passionate about this thing because I was experiencing the joy and the peace and the freedom that I was longing for so badly. I was like, bro, all literally every single one of my friends right now are living in that still. So my biggest burden and passion in my life at that moment in time was I need to share this with everybody Hmm. because people are living in this thinking that this is freedom and that this is joy and that this is fulfillment when it actually ends in suffering. For sure. So bro, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, I'm being invited to preach at places. Now I'm sharing my testimony at churches. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm I'm transferring into a new university, Rutgers University here in New Jersey. Um and literally like as we're going into it, 
you know, there are two, two friends of mine who were dating at the time who wanted to start a small group there. Uh, just, you know, to have us meet for Bible study once a week. We were having Bible studies on campus. And after that semester, it grew. Like, so many people were coming. And the person who was the president on paper for that ministry, uh, it was called Adventist Students for Christ. Hmm. Um, he came up to me one day and he said, Chris, I, I put you down as president. Hmm. I said, bro, what do you mean? Like, how are you just not going to ask me? And just like, <laughs> like, you can't just do that. And he said, it's too late. I already did it. <laughs> so, bro, I'm I'm here. And again, I'm, I'm doing youth ministry at my church. I'm preaching at different places. Now I'm now I'm leading a public campus ministry for the State University of New Jersey. And like. I'm just like, bro, how am I even here right now? Like, I, I know nothing about ministry. I've never preached in my life. I've been in the church for like a year. Like, why is this even happening? But dude, God is just blessing everything I touch, bro. People are giving their lives to Jesus. People are, you know, just coming to the truth, man. And I was just like, dude, if this is, if I could do this, like for the rest of my life, like, I wouldn't even have to be paid for it and and I would I would be blessed. Like this is how I want to spend the rest of my life. So I was finishing my my undergrad degree in psychology at Rutgers University and a friend of mine uh you know comes up to me and and I share with him that like I wasn't too enthused with the program just because at least in this university it came off kind of like cold and mechanical and just like here take these drugs and, and go like it, I don't know just the way I perceived it and the way it was taught to me it just didn't feel like in light of what I was learning at the time spiritually from the bible I was like bro this is not even like anything mm-hmm. um again at least from from my perception at the time and my friend, we end up going to Princeton to like grab lunch or something. And he tells me, he's like, bro, have you considered doing the, uh, you know, the master's in divinity program at, at Andrews? And I was like, bro, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And he says, yeah, man, like, you know, with a master's in divinity, you can be a pastor, you can be a chaplain, you can be a teacher, you can do all these things because it seems like you love ministry. So like you can do this. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to look into that. So I ended up doing some research and and I was looking at the classes and I was like, bro, this is dope. Like for me to go to school and just be studying the Bible and like how I can reach people better. Like, bro, is that even school? Like, what is that? Like, that's just, that's just doing what I want to do. So I ended up applying um, and I get in, I get, I get into the school and bro, I'm just like, this is it, man. This is it. Like we're going for it. Um, and, and, and you know what, before I even, before that even took place, I remember I was, man, I was, I was, uh, I was wrestling with it. Right. I was wrestling with the, the idea of going into ministry full time and I was praying and praying and praying. Um, and bro, the thought literally came to me that like, if you don't do this, 
and again, I'm I'm trying to process. I'm processing right now as I'm speaking. Yeah. The thought came to my mind like like if I don't do this, I'm not even sure if I'll be saved. Oh no. And I think it was coming from the place of if if I don't have this like full-time accountability or I don't even know what it is. I'm I'm trying to think of what what it could have been even right now. But I was like, if if I don't do this right now, then then it's it's I'm gonna be lost somehow or some way. So part of me was like, okay, like we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, and I I think the idea comes from the the concept of like, you know, with the bad student in the class, you have to sit him at the front of the class hmm. in order for them to pass the class, type thing, right? So. Yeah. So continuing on, I, um, I decided to answer the call, man, because in general, there was just this passion in my heart. Um, and I was just seeing so much fruit, man, so much fruit in the work that we were doing. And I remember my last semester at Rutgers, we were leading this public campus ministry and, um, actually not even my last semester, the semester that I started as president. Uh, there was this girl that, um, that I met in one of my classes and basically, you know, I thought she was cute, whatever. So I approached her, sat down with her and we, you know, we started talking, ended up being in the same, uh, uh, I forgot what exactly it's called, but basically a smaller class outside of the main lecture. And, um, you know, we were talking and one day I just invited her to come to the Bible studies. And when she came to the Bible study, I was like, wow, like she actually came. So she started attending every single week. Um, and she mentioned to me that she wanted to actually go deeper into Bible study. And, and we started, you know, studying the Bible outside of that right before we, you know, had the group Bible study with everybody. Mm-hmm. And bro, she was receiving it. And I was like, bro, like this is this is dope. You know, that she's actually receiving the word of God. So she's studying and, and everything. And, um, you know, we're, we're together basically like 24-7 because we're in classes together. We're, you know, studying the Bible together. And I forgot where exactly it happened. I, I think one day I just made a joke. It was like Valentine's Day or something. And I was like, hey, like, do you want to have a date at the library or something like that? Mm-hmm. And she came through. So we ended up, it was just studying. That's, that's all it was. It was just, it was a joke. But after that point, bro, like I, I really began to appreciate her and like her. And, um, you know, over time we started studying the Bible and everything. And, um, we started dating. We started dating. Um, I liked her. She liked me. And we started, um, you know, going out together and, yeah, man, she, she ended up giving her life to Christ. Oh, wow. And for me, that was like, it was powerful, man, to be with somebody from the beginning of their journey till they gave their life to Christ. I was like, bro, this is that like, I don't think there's any greater joy that I could have in this life than to bring somebody to Jesus. And I think that's what really solidified me um, in this call. 
So as time went on though, man, um, in the context of this relationship, I began to see the, the toxic traits and the flaws in, in my understanding in the way that I was treating her. Right. So she was just baptized and I was putting all these expectations on her, man. Again, mm. coming from a more conservative, was just baptized, super zealous. You know, I was on her that she had to be vegetarian, like she had to dress a certain way, like oh, she had wow. to do this, she had to do that. And it was heavy, bro. It was heavy. And she felt that she wasn't enough for mm. me because of all the expectations I'd put on her. And it got to a point where, um, like, I was praying and I was asking God, I was like, God, like, is this relationship even? And and that's the thing, because the spirit would convict me that I was doing the wrong thing. Hmm. And I was asking God, I was like, God, like, do you even want me to be in this right now? Like, is this even your will for us to be together right now? Because she was just constantly being hurt. I was constantly being triggered by things. And it was just constant tension. And I remember one day, man, and as I was thinking about this conversation we're about to have today, the spirit brought this to mind yesterday. She, she said this thing to me, man, that, that stuck with me. And she said, I think you're really hard on yourself as a Christian. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just here. I'm just trying to follow God's law. I'm just out here trying to, you know do things to the best of my ability. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm just Mm -hmm. trying to live up to everything that, that God expects of me. And it wasn't until we broke up, man. Mm. It wasn't until we broke up. Um, I decided to end things, especially as I was about to transition into seminary. Um, God was like, I need to work on you. I need to work on you because I was beginning to see specifically in the context of this relationship, the, the false or the faulty view that I had of God, Hmm. that if you did not measure up, you were not, you were not accepted. Mercy. And because that's how I treated myself and maybe in my own mind, I thought that I was living up to these things, but I was beginning to put that on those around me more specifically, you know, this girl because of, you know, how close together we were and and my, how close my association was with her as my girlfriend. You know why you treat your, like your family a different way than you treat like your friends. Mm -hmm. Like you treat your family in some ways, you treat them worse than your friends or you treat and that, or even a spouse, like, and that is because you see them as a part of yourself. Mm. And if you don't see yourself the right way, you cannot see them the right way. And My so, goodness. yeah, how you see yourself affects how you treat and view the closest people to you because you see them as a part of yourself, right? Right. Right. That's good. I've never heard it articulated like that. That's good. And that's that's exactly what was happening, man. Um, I was treating her badly and... And again, um, after just praying, bro, and there was a moment, man, where, where I was literally on my knees, just crying, uh, c- crying and praying out to God, saying, God, if you don't want me to be in this relationship, like take me out of it because I do not want to experience a divorce like my parents did. Hmm. 
like whatever it is that you need to do in order for me to not have to go through that and put my kid, my future kids through that, do what you need to do because I do not want to go through that. And yeah, bro, that evening, um, God put it on my heart. He said, I need to work on you. This, this journey ahead that you have in the seminary, like it's, it has to be just me and you because I need to, I need to reveal to you who I am. And yeah, man, we ended the relationship. Um, pandemic comes, uh, and literally, bro, like I'm taking classes on Zoom for about a year. And that year, I, I have no car. I, um, I'm just stuck at home. And I literally like, I would spend like four or five hours just sitting with God and with the word, like every single day. And like every, like God just poured into me. Hmm during that season because I literally like there was no going out. Everything was shut down. I had no car. I was at home doing classes all day. I was just, that was just it. And God was just pouring into me, man. And actually, so right before this, let me actually, sorry, I'm like trying to figure out what part to say. So before this actually happened, um, I'm serving as, as the president for the campus ministry at Rutgers and I'm asked by a friend to serve as the vice president of evangelism for GYC Atlantic, which is a youth ministry here on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And I'm asked to do this. And I'm like, dude, like I, again, same thing as always. Like I, I have no experience. Like I'm not, I'm not the person for this, but they're like, no, like we want you to be this person. And I was like, okay. So I ended up accepting the position and you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic and like, we don't even know if this conference that we have every year is going to happen. And the decision is made to have it, um, to be an e-conference right online. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, so what's the best way that we could do something evangelistically in the middle of this pandemic? So I come across, um, Justin Koo's Instagram page. J Koo. Jku, so <laughs> I end up reaching out to him, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reached out to him and I was like, "Hey, bro, so we're we're trying to do like a, a digital evangelism training for you know the youth in our in our region, and we were wondering if you'd be willing to come on." And he was like, uh, "Sure, man." So we we talked details, and uh, I remember we scheduled a meeting to like get down to like the details of, you know, what we're going to do just to get the game plan down. And we're talking and I don't even know how we got to the conversation, man. But Justin starts talking about, um, we get into a conversation about the law and the gospel. Mm. And he basically makes a statement along the lines of like, if you don't accept Christ, like, there's no reason for you to teach. Like if a person does not receive Christ, there's no reason for you to teach the law of God to them. And he says something along those lines. And I was like, bro, like what? Like, this is blasphemy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, and he was saying some other stuff and it got me so heated, bro. Like I was actually like mad. Like I, 
<laughs> like, I wanted to snap on this guy, but, like, he was, like, unmoved. Like, he wasn't even, like... Like, he was engaging, but he wasn't engaging. If you go to the comment section on some of his uh, reels, people yeah. are livid. And he gives them, like, a thumbs up. Like, someone told him, like, read Romans and John. And he's like, thumbs up. <laughs> I love it. That, w- that would have been me. That would have been me. So I have this conversation with him, man. And basically, by the end of the conversation, so we were supposed to have like, we scheduled like a 30 minute meeting just to talk about the game plan for the, for the, you know, online meeting. We end up having like an hour long conversation on, on basically nothing about what we're going to do for the conference, but like an hour on the law and the gospel. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, I'm just like so frustrated, so mad. And he's just like, Bro, go on my YouTube channel and watch the move uh, with me and uh, me and Jonathan Leonardo. And I was like, all right, dude, whatever. Like, I-, I wasn't even planning on watching it. I was just like, all right, cool. So we end up getting off of the call. Mind you, this is before um, I start seminary on Zoom, right? So. Hey, can I say something real quick? Yeah, go ahead. One of the ways I used to try to minister to people is I would beg them to understand what I was saying. And I would try really, really hard. And now my attitude is almost almost the opposite. Not quite. But like, for example, yesterday I was on the phone with this dude and I'm trying to tell him about this and that and about how God loves him. And he's like audibly sighing. And just like, mm. I've heard all this before, bro. I've heard all this. Like, this isn't helping me in my life right now. And so... He does it one more time, and I'm just like, uh, all right, bro, I'm going to go. I'm going to holler at you, bro. Uh, be cool. And I get off the phone, and like 30 to 45 minutes later, he texts back, and he's like, uh, I'm sorry, dude. And he's like, do you feel like I'm wasting your time? He asked me that. And I was like, no, I'm wasting your time. What I have, you don't want. Mm. So, like, I don't have what you want, bro. Like, you gotta you you ought to find it somewhere else because what I'm saying is not landing. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, "No, I I, I want it." And I was mm. like, "Well, then let's go, dude." But like we beg people, like what we have is gold. If we're like begging people to take the gold, like mm. my attitude is like, "I've got gold. It's for you." But if you yeah. don't want it, like. Yeah. Then it's not for you. I mean, it is for you, but it's not for you. In the same way, Justin, I've I've learned a lot of this from Justin because before mm. I'd be overzealous. Mm. And Justin's like, "Cool, man. Like, you don't have to follow my page, man. Like, you don't have to like my stuff. It's cool. Mm. Like, it's changed my life, but mm. maybe it's not for you." And then people mm. are like, "Maybe there is something." To- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like once you give them the freedom to like, you give them the space to actually explore it for themselves rather than trying to shove it down their throats for for them, they can make, they have enough freedom to make the decision. Yeah, and if you're not dying for them to have it, they actually want it more than when you're just like, please receive the love of Christ in your heart. They're like, ah, I'm good. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's exactly it. So that's exactly what Justin was doing um, in our conversation. 
So I ended up um, going on the YouTube and I, I looked up the move right on his on his YouTube, and I was I was looking at it and like they were talking they them two were talking about something I didn't really understand so I was like, whatever like I I didn't get it I genuinely just didn't really understand what they were talking about for so sure I just continued and just went on with my day, um, but. I think it was when I think there was a again this is pandemic light bears uh Ty Gibson uh had a a live stream with Jonathan and uh I think her name is Claudia Allen on social justice. Yep, I saw it. And they were they were talking about, you know, I think this was right after um I forgot who exactly had had just been killed by right. police brutality. But they had this discussion. I was like, bro, that was actually fire. That was really good. And then a couple months later, or sometime later, Ty brings on Jonathan for Three Angels message live stream on the Everlasting Gospel. Let's go. And I listen to this thing and I'm like, bro, this is this is fire. Like, like if this is true, this is everything. Yeah. Like if if this what if what Jonathan and Ty were just talking about right here is actually biblical, there is nothing else that needs to be preached. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I ended up getting on um I ended up looking up Jonathan. I think I went on like the Love Reality Instagram. I went on the Love Reality uh uh what was it? The website and there were just all these videos of like of like him preaching and him saying all these things and i was like bro this is this is crazy as i was listening to this though there was a part of me that was like don't don't go any further this is heresy what part was the heresy bro i think it was it was for me it was like i was clinging to the law and there was something that was said about the law that i just like I heard and I didn't quite understand, but part of me was just like, you need to be careful with this because you don't know where this is going to lead. So I, I put it aside. I was like, all right, I'm not going to listen because I got scared. Dog. <laughs> I actually got scared in my heart. I was like, wait, if this is not good, then like, let me not. Dog. The first time I was listening to it, I was like, this dude better watch out. <laughs> like, what's he going to say about the Sabbath? Yo, you better not trip. You better not trip about the Sabbath. Like I was okay. tripping, dude. So that's why I'm laughing. It's just like same, dude. Yeah. So I'm like, nah, bro. Let me let me leave this alone because I'm not I'm not trying to lose my salvation here. <laughs> <laughs> so I put it aside, bro. And months go by. A year goes by because this was maybe <clears throat> this was maybe like May. Um. May of like 2020, right? Right before I'm about to start at the seminary. I do a whole year online on Zoom, right? I do I do my fall semester here in New Jersey. I do my spring semester in Costa Rica with my mom. Um, I think the summer as well. And then after that, I finally get to go in person to Andrews. And when I get to, when I get there to Andrews University, you know, I'm just like exploring. I'm like, bro, what is this place? Like, this is so weird. Like, there's so much diversity like people are like super expressive mind you all i knew you know of of adventism was this like conservative more traditional 
bubble that I experienced personally here in New Jersey, right? The churches that I preached at expanded my, my, my vision a little bit, but what I held to was my home church, which was again, more traditional, more conservative, Uh um, church. So I came to Andrews and I'm like, bro, this place is like, I'm in Babylon right now, bro. Like, this is like, (laughs) this, (laughs) this is straight up like, what the heck? So Part of me is like praying and like just asking God to keep me and this and that. And I started attending the classes and and we start talking about just like the different, you know, my mind starts to become expanded to different perspectives and and just the different uh the different facets of adventism and things of that nature. And I'm just like, okay. So so maybe it's not all heresy. Maybe it's just like it's just different from what I experienced, you know, in my couple years in the church. So I'm I'm experiencing all this and then um I lived with uh two friends both of them graduated from Oakwood for undergrad. Uh one of them uh Daniel Charles is his name. Shout out to Daniel. Uh for some reason man, I so he wants to be a professor, right? He wants to do his PhD, he wants to be a teacher in the seminary. And I trust him, right? Theologically, I trust his discernment and for some reason Love reality was just in the back of my mind. And I tell him, I'm like, hey, bro, so like, uh, have you heard of love reality? And he's like, no, I have no idea what that is. What is it? And I was like, yeah, so it's this ministry that like, basically they preach the gospel. And um, I don't know, like I kind of put it away because I thought it was like low key heretical. But I don't know. Watch this video and let me know what you think. So I showed him a video that was the gospel in seven minutes, right? Yeah, Jonathan on the beach. Jonathan on the beach. So that sounds like a drink or something. Yeah. So we. <laughs> That's funny. So we ended up um, watching this video together, and we watched this video, bro. And both of us are like just in the kitchen glorifying God as oh. a result of this video, like just praising God. Oh wow. And I tell him, and I'm like, bro, there's actually a full sermon series that he does. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to go through it with me. Because, again, personally, I thought it was heretical. I don't know if it is. But I trust that if we go through it together, and if it's heresy, it's heresy. We just toss it to the side. If it's true, then, bro, this is it. And he's like, all right, let's do it. So over the course of two weeks, this was this was like October of this past year. Uh, for over the course of two weeks, bro, every single morning, this is our devotional time. We wake up fresh out of bed. We go into the living room. We turn on the sermon and we watch, we watch each sermon, uh, day after day. We go through one a day. Uh-huh. And after every sermon, bro, we're like, yo, what? <laughs> Let's go. Like, like, is this the gospel? What was the thing that was like changing, like, or the thing that was new that you're like, ah, like at first, like when it's first hitting you, when it hits your lips, it's so good. Dude, it was like everything. Like there was so much, there was so much to unpack, but oh man, it was just like the fact that you are, you are saved and you can rest in that like you are a child of god like period like that's it like stop talking about it like stop trying to convince yourself out of it with some theological you know gymnastic like it's done and like 
there was this part of me, right? And this is this is this performance orientation that I kind of grew up with and developed is like I have to do in order to get mercy. Or I have to do in order to keep. You have to do in order to be to be. And then it gets shifted that he Based made on what you I do. that he made you and so you are. Yeah. So it was like it was like the fact that it's done. And that is the reality that you just need to believe. It was like, bro. So I can rest. Like I can rest now is what this means. And dude, just every single sermon that we watched literally like I'm not even kidding like there was one day where there was like a 30 minute span of time where we were just shouting in the house praising God what? like there was a moment where I was just like on the floor just like head down just completely prostrate just worshiping God wow it was powerful bro and there was there was one song um that because in in those sermons there was there's always a song that they do afterwards, but PVC yeah. decided to cut off the song, so like we had to make up our own thing. So we listened to uh, "Let Go." There was one day where we listened to "Let Go" by PJ Morton, bro. That song, hmm. when viewed through the light of the gospel and the lens of the gospel, like tied to salvation and the work of salvation, bro. I'm telling you, like. I was, I was shouting, bro. Like people are like, yo, what is up with these seminarians? Like they're always weird. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I was like so ecstatic and filled with joy. I was like, bro, that's it. This is it. This is it right here. There's nowhere else to go from here. This is the thing that I've been looking for. It's the everlasting gospel. The everlasting gospel. So, dude, we started, we, we, we went through the whole series. <clears throat> Bro, I started sharing this with everybody. When I tell you everybody, like, I mean, like, everybody. Like, all of my friends, all of, like, my friends from the seminary, all of my people from back home at church the pastors that I looked up to, like I was dishing this thing out. Like it was like, like you have to listen to this. You have to listen to this. And people are responding to me, bro. And people are just like, bro, this is life changing stuff. Like I've never seen it this way. My friend was telling me, Daniel, he was telling me that he sent it to somebody who was struggling and the person literally told him, like, dude, this this is the most profound thing I've ever heard in my life. Wow. Like, and he's he's in the like he he studied, he's a pastor right now, or he's in the seminary somewhere else. He said, This is like I've never heard with all my education, I've never heard anything like this. And bro, we're just sharing this, bro. We're just sharing this thing. People are receiving it, and it's just like the biggest burden on my heart now is like with the same passion and vigor that I had when I first gave my life to Christ, Hmm. I was like, everybody needs to hear this. Everybody needs to hear this. So 
Yeah, man. I start going through all the different, you know, Ransomed and Renewed Sermon Series, Wave 2. Um, I went through the first one again. Um, we started just, bro, everybody that I could share it with, specifically with seminarians, I I felt it on my heart. I was like, bro, we're not receiving, we're, I don't even know what the gospel is. And I'm two years in into the seminary, about to graduate. Like, people need to hear this. So I, I, I had it on my heart just recently to to share this, um, to, to create a watch party here at Andrews mm. uh, during the summer. Because students are away, people aren't around, people need community. So I was like, you know what, let me fill in this gap and, and share this thing. So Saturday nights, bro, in the summer, this whole past summer, every Saturday night we had food, we had community, we just hang out, prayed for each other, loved on each other, and, and watched these sermons. And after we watched the sermon, we'd split up into small groups, let people reflect, we'd come together as a larger group, everybody reflect together. And bro, people were so excited to hear an uplifting biblical, theologically sound message that changed their lives. Bro, like, if people are leaving the church, right? The church isn't growing in America, mm. right? And it's either because the gospel isn't good enough to transform people's lives, mm. Or maybe we're not actually preaching it. Mm. It's got to be one or the other, right? It isn't. Yeah. And for me, I'll tell you what, it's not that the gospel isn't powerful enough. Mm -mm. Like, this is, I don't know what number episode of this is, of the podcast this is. Uh, but it's changed so many people's lives. Like, it's crazy. Like, it had, like, the good news, and this is what Paul says to the Ephesians, he says, when you heard about your salvation and believed you were then filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's like you heard the news, but before it was like, it was all about like this decision that you made. And then in order to stay in, you had to like, it was all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what you're telling me is like, Oh, you heard the news that you could rest. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than we thought, huh? Yeah. Bro, this, and I, I believe in counseling. I've, I have a counselor. I've been going through counseling. But this message, bro, has brought more healing to me than anything else I've ever encountered in my life. Like, to know that I am secure, to know that I don't need to live up to something or perform in order to be, like you said, is to know that I'm really loved, man. To know that I'm really loved has changed me. And now I'm I'm beginning to to treat others differently. Bro, you just said something that is profound and we can't skip over. Me and my homie were talking about Kevin Durant. Mm. And we're talking about like if anybody needs the gospel, it's Kevin Durant. Like mm. this dude's like the most insecure person of all time. Like he's graduated awesome. from the burner phone to now he's actually he's actually going for people on his real Twitter account. Oh, and 
and I was saying like, man, he needs to know who he is. That's what he really yeah. needs. He do- and my, my bro, he actually was like, he actually just needs to know that he's loved. Mm. And I was like, well, I mean, if you know who you are, then like, you know, you're loved. And he's like, yeah. He's like, a lot of people don't know who they are, but somebody comes around and just loves them in a self-sacrificial mm. way enough. Mm. And that is enough to change yes. someone's life, to know you're loved. And as you're saying that, you're like, yeah, I know I'm loved and it's changed my life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so crazy that it's that simple of an idea that transforms everything where we've been telling people for years, like some people are like, oh, all we hear are sermons about God's love. And it's almost like we haven't really preached it hard enough, like Mm-mm. in the way that people see, like, like, this is how he's loved me. He actually has freed me from sin. I am safe and secure. He does call me brother. He does call me friend. I am hidden in Christ with God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Mm. And mm. because, but but that's the thing that changes someone's life, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all it took for me, man. That's all it took for me. So let me ask you this, man. And if you could uh, go back to to Rutgers, mm. and you could talk to old Chris, who's in this relationship, mm. who is he's like, man, it's almost like you overcorrected. Mm. You were in this ditch over here, yeah, and then yeah. you were like, man, that was, you know. You know, I don't want to have that experience again. That wasn't, you know, I was a slave to to sin. And so you overcorrected hard and now you're like, now I've got to prove that that what he did was good or that I'm worthy of I mean, I don't know, like and but you're putting that on not only in yourself but on the people around you. What mm-hmm. if you could sit down with that dude? Mm. What would you say to that dude for a little bit? Mm. I would direct him to to Jesus uh last words on the cross man Jesus himself before he gave up his life said it is finished so rest in the finished work wow bro your your story man you're a good storyteller I was I was in there the whole time. Uh, it's a blessing, man. And so, awesome, man. I'm glad. I, I just appreciate you sharing this thing with us, and and I think the the way we do this thing, bro, is to share yeah. our stories. That's it. It's the stories. And so, if you're wanting to do ministry, and I mean, you are doing ministry, and you're a pastor, and you mm-hmm. under you understand this thing, it's like by telling our stories mm. is what draws people into seeing how good he is, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I could, if I could share real quick, man, <clears throat> I shared my testimony, uh, two Saturdays ago at, at a church and we we're, we we're in Mark five, right? And it's talking about the demon possessed man and how he, uh, how, you know, his encounter with Jesus literally set him free, mm-hmm. right? Internally in his, in or externally, nobody could bind him. Nobody could hold him down is what it says. But internally, he was a slave. When he came and encountered Jesus, he was set free. And he wanted to be with Jesus so badly. He said, please, let me go with you. But Jesus said, no. Go back 
to where you came from and tell everybody what I've done for you. And the text says that he went into the 10 cities, into Decapolis, and he preached and he shared what Jesus had done for him. And the thing about our stories, man, is that though they can be shameful, right? This guy was naked. This guy was cutting himself up in the mountains. He was doing all these things. Though our stories can be, you know, just shameful and, and you know, just things that we, we, we don't want to share. The thing is, man, when Jesus is the center of the story, that part of our story literally just loses its its relevance in light of his glory mercy like you don't have to be ashamed because what he has done for you is that much greater than what you have done wow so go tell your story that's it Thanks, bro. Thank you, man. Got me singing like glory. Yeah, it got me telling my story. Know that your love is pouring on me. And love is pouring on me. River flowing in and never ends. More than life, more than me, more than just pretend. And you can feel it, freedom from within. Free to fly, be the child that you've always been. This episode was brought to you by gospel-loving listeners just like yourself. If you want to ensure more of these stories are heard by people and help build season three of the show and beyond, we'd ask that you please give to our building fund that's helping support the future of the podcast. It takes equipment and software and time and all that good stuff to make this an amazing listening experience for your ears. So we just ask that you help pay it forward like the person before you did to keep these amazing stories of God's transformative love rolling. You can go to lovereality.org slash give and choose death to life as the option to help us keep reaching more people and ensuring more episodes. Thank you so much, guys. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Singing light.